Hello and welcome, my faithful and loyal readers and listeners. <coughs> Today, 2.37 of Through the Bible in One Year. So just a reminder, here's what you should have read to have been prepared for today's discussion. You should have read Job chapter 16 through 19, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Psalm 40, 1 through 10, and Proverbs 22, verse 1. So again, our focus for today, for today is going to be on Acts chapter 24. 17 through 27. So what we saw the last time we were together was we saw Paul's escape from Jerusalem. We saw his arrival in Caesarea. And then we saw while he was in Caesarea there was an official hearing held in order to bring about some sort of resolution to this massive problem that had arisen in Jerusalem because of Paul. So we saw the chief priests bring in, excuse me, we saw the chief priests bring in what he thinks is a correct prosecutor who levels three charges against Paul. So he charges Paul with being a troublemaker, he charges Paul with promoting sedition, and he charges Paul with desecrating the temple. So Paul, in his response that we saw the last time we were together, only addressed the charges concerning promoting sedition and desecrating the temple, while he ignored the charge of being a troublemaker, because that charge was a personal attack against him. So in other words, Paul's words yesterday were his opening argument, right? And so what we're gonna see today is the meat of Paul's defense. So starting in verse 17 of chapter 24, here's what that says. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews in the province of Asia who ought to be here, uh, who ought to be here before you, and bring charges if they have anything against me, or the, or these who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin, unless it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence, it is concerning the resurrection of the dead. And I am on trial before you today. So what's the first thing we see here? We see here that Paul mentions a gift, right? And that's a reference to a collection for the believers in Jerusalem that we saw back in Acts chapter 11, verses 29 to 30. And we also see Paul make that reference in his letter to the Roman church in Romans 15, 25 to 26, right? So Paul here is affirming that he was quietly going about his business.
Onesimus, and that the Jews from the province of Asia were the ones who created the uproar, right? And so because they were the ones who created the uproar, they were the ones who should have legally been present to make their charges. And so what, what Paul is saying here right, is that their absence made any of these charges that they were being brought against him a mute point. Because the ones who were present could only testify about the meaning of the Sanhedrin before the council, right? And it was in that meaning. So in that meaning, the problem was Paul shouted he being persecuted for a belief in the resurrection of the dead. So Paul is essentially saying, right, this issue was nothing more than a theological issue because it was a theological issue. Felix had no jurisdiction. So let's keep going in verse 22. So here's what that says. And then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will assign your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Right? So let's stop right there for just a minute. That takes us to verse 23, right? So we see that we're told that Paul was kept under guard, but that he was allowed some freedom, right? So the Jewish historian Josephus speaks of this kind of custody that include daily baths, meals, and visits from friends and servants who could bring food and other items to comfort the detaining. So Paul's custody at this point in time may not have been that light and flexible, right? But it most certainly was not the harsh incarceration of a dangerous criminal. So now let's pick up in verse 24 and let's take it on down to the end of this section. So here's what that says. Several days later, Felix came with his wife and Drusilla, who was Jewish. Excuse me, he sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. So who was this person, Drusilla? We already kind of sort of know who Felix is. Who was this person, Drusilla? Right? So he says several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. Why would a Jewish woman marry the Roman governor? So here's why. So Drusilla was the daughter of Herod 
give it a group first. Right, who was around 19 years old at this time. So, Felix convinced her to divorce her husband, who was a local ruler, and marry him. Right, so this couple then heard from Paul a testimony about Christ that talked about righteousness, self control, and the judgment to come. So, what is so important about that, right? So, so important about that, right, is that as Paul talked about these things, right, as the passage says, Felix became afraid. So, why does Felix become afraid? He becomes afraid because he lacked righteousness and he was clearly short on self-control because he convinced a woman to divorce her husband so that she could marry him. So in other words, he wanted her so he wasn't gonna take her illegally. He convinced her to come to him legally, in other words, divorce her husband and come to me, right? So he lacked righteousness and was clearly short on self-control, which was what caused Felix to be terrified of the judgment to come, and more than likely Drusilla as well. So what we see is that in fear, Felix sent Paul to prison. That's why Paul was sent to prison. Paul was not sent to prison because he had committed some monstrous, horrific crime. Paul was sent to prison because Felix was afraid of the things that Paul was talking about. So we're also told there, right? So uh, at the same time, verse 26, at the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. So we see that Felix also wanted Paul to bribe him. So what's the big deal about that? Right, so unfortunately, unfortunately, that was how the legal system kind of, sort of, worked at that point in time, right? So you would sit in prison until you bribe the judge or you bribe the prosecutor and they released you even if you were completely innocent. So, they wanted a bribe, they could go on kind of like how tax collectors worked back then. That was how judges and these other people made extra money, right? So, because he wanted a bribe, he kept Paul under guard and continued to talk with him, right? So, what's so important about that, right? So, other than the fact that Fink was offering him, he wanted him to offer a bribe, and he keeps calling Paul out to talk to him and to probably have him talk to those in his court. So, it's important that it's the, the important part of that is because this situation provided Paul an opportunity to share the gospel with the Roman elite in the area, right? So, in other words, we're talking at the very end of this, at the very end of this section, when two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Borcius Festus. Because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. So, 
I was left in this prison to more or less rot there as a political favor, as a political favor to the Jewish leadership, and this was likely a compromise because they wanted Paul dead, not just locked away in some prison where he was gonna rot and get to eat all kinds of good food. So things were gonna pick up tomorrow, right? As we see, Paul brought before the new governor a man by the name of Porcius Festus. So what you need to read to be prepared for that discussion tomorrow is Job chapter 20, Job, Job chapters 20 through 22, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 through 11, Psalm 40, 11 through 17, and Proverbs 22, 2 through 4. Hello and welcome, my faithful and loyal readers and listeners. Welcome to day 238 of Through the Bible in One Year. So just a brief reminder, what you should have read to have been prepared for today's discussion. You should have read Job chapters 20 through 22, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 through 11, Psalm 40, 11 through 17, and Proverbs 22, 2 through 4. So we're going to pick up now in Acts chapter 25, we're going to be in verses, or the first 12 verses of Acts 25. So what we have seen, so far as we have seen Paul drop before the Roman governor Felix on trumped up charges, we have seen Paul held illegally and irregularly in the governor's prison, and this was done simply because he would not pay Felix a bribe. So what we're gonna see today is we're gonna see Felix's replacement, a man named Porcius Festus, right? We're gonna see him, we're gonna see his interaction, more importantly, with Paul, because you see Paul's going to come before Governor Porcius Festus. So let's pick up now in Acts 25, verse 1. Which says this, three days after arriving in the province, Festus went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem, where the chief priests and the Jewish leaders appeared before him and presented the charges against Paul. They requested Festus as a favor to them to have Paul transferred to Jerusalem. <coughs> Excuse me, for they were preparing an ambush to kill him along the way. Excuse me, prepared an ambush to kill him along the way. Festus answered, Paul is being held at Caesarea, and I myself am going there soon. Let some of your leaders come with me, and if the man has done anything wrong, they can press charges against him there. So what is the big deal here? So what 
going on here, right? <coughs> so when we left off yesterday, right, we saw that Felix was replaced by Pocius Festus. And we're told from ancient sources that Felix was recalled to Rome with charges brought against him. Caesar. After 
fingers can continue to make indefensible charges. In other words, they continue to make charges. They couldn't back up in an attempt to get rid of this man they thought was nothing more than a troublemaker. They thought was a man who was plotting nothing but sedition against them, and quite possibly wrong. And a man who in their mind had overly attempted to desecrate the temple. And we see that once again, Paul vehemently denies all these charges. As you see in verse 8, he says, I have done nothing wrong against the Jewish law, or against the temple, or against Caesar. Paul saying, Look, I've not violated the Jewish law in any way, shape, or form. I've done nothing against the temple laws. I didn't join the discord the temple. Nor have I plotted to overthrow the Roman government. And my plan plotted or participated in a riot, an open revolt against Rome. So what we see then is, after he answers all of these charges by saying this, right? So Festus again wanting to carry favor with the Jewish leaderships makes a makes a request of Paul, right? And what does he say to Paul? He says, Are you willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial for me there on these charges, right? So this request for a change of venue to Paul, right? Was an overt favor. Jews. Festus was trying to curry favor with these people. That's all he was doing. That's all he intended to do. That's all he really wanted to do. Was he wanted to curry favor with these people. And he did it by saying, Hey Paul, let's not have the trial here in Caesarea, in the capital. Let's move the trial to Set and conferred with his advisors. He 